It's the final word with J.C. Sherbert, presented by the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. How are you folks? Yeah, it's been a tough week, hasn't it? Uh, after the Gamecocks went down 41-21 in Knoxville last week, as Tony and I talked about on the podcast earlier, um, that wasn't expected. I don't, say, I don't think anybody saw that one coming. <laughs> what a disaster the second half was. You know, South Carolina, I thought, played spirited in the first half. And for the life of me, you know, I kind of thought – the Gamecocks may be heading towards a, you know, a resilient defense in the second half, more offense, and heck, I thought they'd probably go on and win the game. But breakdowns on both sides of the ball and uh, breakdowns surprisingly on special teams. And uh, these guys just can't catch a break, it seems. I mean, you beat Georgia on the road, one of the biggest wins in program history. Uh, you come back to Florida, you have them on the ropes, and then the guys in the black and white stripes certainly help things for the Gators in that one. And Florida's a team this year that certainly found a way to win. And you go to Knoxville, it's a team you've beaten three straight years, and things just fall apart. And that's college football, and that's kind of what happens. And I think we're right back at the same point we were uh, in talking about this team and this program after the Gamecocks started 1-3 and three and lost by 20 at Missouri. Now, South Carolina responded. They had Kentucky come in. Gamecocks beat them soundly, went on the road and beat Georgia, and you know, things were a little brighter. Carolina had a chance to get back in the SEC East race, uh, compounded by the fact that Missouri has suddenly gone in the tank with losses to Vandy and Kentucky, and the Gamecocks would have been sitting pretty right now had they beaten Florida and uh, beaten Tennessee. You know, South Carolina would be right there uh, in the mix, pulling for a Gators victory this weekend in Jacksonville. And uh, it just kind of shows you sometimes how the margin for error each and every week in this sport is very, very slim. Um, you can't go out and lay an egg in the second half against a 2-5 and five team that's, you know, looked pretty bad offensively. Uh, against SEC competition, but but who has gotten better? And credit Jeremy Pruitt and the Vols for getting up off the mat. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. But if you're South Carolina, you're supposed to go up there and play well and win that game. Quite frankly, if you're South Carolina uh, in the second half against Florida, you don't let Ty Grantham make adjustments and come back and beat you. I mean, and I know the refs. I mean, that that is a caveat in that because, you know, those bad calls happened on, on touchdowns. You know, two scoring plays. So, you know, uh, here we are. And uh, I don't want to talk right now about coaching changes. Uh, I do want to clarify some things after the game that I said on the bigspur.com. For those of you that read it, I did not say Will Muschamp should be fired, uh, as some of you have interpreted. I did say, though, it should be on the table. And that Ray Tanner, uh, as the athletic director, you know, you have to look at the fact that. You know, Jeremy Foley at Florida is considered one of the best athletic directors ever in the history of the sp- of sports. And he hired Ron Zook, hired Will Muschamp, and hired Jim McElwain at Florida. <laughs> also hired a guy named Urban Meyer. So I think that uh, – which Urban Meyer led to Dan Mullen being the coach there now. So there are athletic directors across the country that, that make bad hires that are still good athletic directors. And I know that a lot of you – are not big Ray Tanner fans, and that's fine. Uh, you have to kind of, 
you know, look at kind of what he's done uh, on the job, but beyond the wins and losses. I get it. Um, you know, it just so happens his tenure uh, as the AD started during a time where South Carolina was rolling in a lot of sports, uh, just about every sport except men's basketball. And um, he didn't hire the men's basketball coach. And so when you kind of look at the hires, you know, you got two in baseball right now. Uh, Chad Holbrook obviously did not work out. Mark Kingston set a record for SEC losses last year. Um, so that program hasn't been stellar since he left it. Uh, and then in football, you knew whoever he was going to hire to replace Steve Spurrier was going to have a tough time uh, because of the shape of the roster, uh, because of, you know, replacing Steve Spurrier, you know, whatever. And I think Will Muschamp, as far as the roster building, the recruiting, the organization, you know, there's a lot of good things that have happened with this football program. But it is, without a doubt, a bottom-line business. And when, when you can't get any momentum on the field or when you, when you get momentum on the field and take a step forward and then two steps back, you know, uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you. I mean, because then all the off-the-field stuff starts to be more difficult, especially with recruiting. Um, and, you know, so I'm looking at it. Since last year's game at Tennessee, you know, there are times South Carolina's offense starts really, really well. Um, and I, I say last year's game against Tennessee because Carolina was behind 21-9 to nine and rallied in that one. Uh, then you go uh, to Ole Miss the next week, and, you know, Carolina's up 17-3 to three early. Ended up – the game ended up being tied. Ole Miss ended up having a 10-point lead, and the Gamecocks got enough offense in the fourth quarter to win. But there was a stall. You know, you go to the Florida game last year, which is when – the Gamecocks started kind of their streak. They're two and eight against the last ten Power Five football opponents, and you're rolling. You know, twenty-one in the first half. You extended to thirty-one fourteen, and then you get shut down by Grantham, and the Gators come back and win. Even the Clemson game. You know, a lot of yards in that game, a lot of points for Carolina. But the bottom line is, it was twenty-eight twenty-one at half, and you're sitting there in the third quarter, and it's forty-nine twenty-one in that football game. I still think South Carolina played about as well as they could have. Uh, you know, you, you, you convert inside the five twice, and it's a 56-49 type of a Big 12 deal. But, you know, uh, so you create momentum there, and uh, then you go to Akron, and you're up 28-3 at half, and you get shut out in the second half. You get shut out completely against Virginia. North Carolina, you got a 20-9 lead. Uh, everything was hunky-dory. You end up losing 24-20. You know, Alabama, uh, this year, you're kind of within striking distance. And, you know, there not been some, I guess, clock issues uh, at the end of the second quarter, a replay or whatever. I mean, you're in, you're in really good shape. You know, I, I think it's, what, a one-score game at the half? Um, if you do that... You know, and then the second half, you're sitting up there and you look up at the clock and it's 47-16. You know, keep moving forward. Missouri, you know, obviously that game at halftime was 17-7. The game got scored early in the third quarter for a change, cut it to 17-14, and then completely collapsed. Even Georgia, as good of a win as it was, South Carolina, you know, 
didn't really score a whole lot in regulation. They were shut out uh, until overtime uh, in the second half by the Dogs. Florida, obviously you're up 20 to 17. Can't get anything done late. Uh, you know, move on to Tennessee, up 21-17 halftime, shut out in the second half. So, so that's an issue. I mean, that that's not just, oh, well, you know, they're playing, you know, they've had a couple of games where they've collapsed in the second half. That, that, that's a trend. That, that is a trend, my friends. <laughs> and, you know, I know that they did score some in the second half last year. They had some games where they played well in the second half, better than the first. But, you know, you can't just keep collapsing. And you can't just go out there and shoot your, you know, shoot your shot in the first half in college football these days on offense uh, and then, you know, do nothing after halftime. And to me, uh, even though Will Muschamp said they know how to make adjustments, uh, I'm, you know, not arguing that they are trying. But whatever they're doing is not working. Uh, and the execution certainly hasn't been there. So that's offense. You know, defense, ah, head scratchers, you know. you know, You're playing a team last week. They didn't even know who their starting quarterback was going to be. Um, you know, you let Jared Gonatano and JT Shrout kind of pick you apart. And I know Tennessee's got good receivers, but those are guys you've been able to cover in the past. I mean, you know, they've had those guys. Um, and they're good. They're really, really good, but you, you can't you can't let them take over the game. And I, I don't understand how that happened. Um, I mean, I know you know, hey, they couldn't cover them. That's the bottom line. But you're also a defense that kind of collapsed uh, against Florida down the stretch, penalties notwithstanding. Uh, a defense that you know played the mighty Georgia Bulldogs off its feet, and and, and kind of just like the offense last year when they had that game against Clemson. You know, big step forward. I mean, loss or not, putting 600 yards of offense up on that bunch is impressive. Who's done that? You know, shutting Georgia's offense down and pushing around their offensive line is impressive. Who's done that? You know, which tells me that this is not an issue where there's just no football players on South Carolina's roster that they have this huge talent deficiency. They don't. Because they've proven uh, against some of the very best teams in the country that they can go out there and, and, and compete and compete for four quarters. So, so where's the inconsistency happening? I'm not, I'm not one of these blame everything on coaching, but whatever's going on in terms of adjustments, getting your team to play for four quarters at a high level, all that good stuff, I don't know. You know, that's just uh, – that's just kind of where we're at, and they're going to have to figure this out. Now, I'm going to say this. I, I think that, you know, there's always opportunity. There's never – you're never out of opportunity until you kind of look up and you're, quote, unquote, out of opportunity. Uh, I think with the Gamecocks, you have Vanderbilt coming in this Saturday, your 15-point favorite. I think that spreads a little high. Um but what we're going to find out about Vandy is if they can sustain it, you know, if they can be a team that, you know, capitalizes on a big win against Missouri and, and plays, you know, above themselves like they did in that game. Uh, I know that Vanderbilt's got some outstanding talent on offense with guys. Uh, Lawrence, obviously a great running back. Or I'm sorry, not Lawrence, Vaughn. I keep calling him Keyshawn Lawrence. That's a recruit that's no longer – 
considering South Carolina. Keyshawn Vaughn, excellent running back, transfer from Illinois, uh, second year there. Kalijah Lipscomb, obviously, is a good receiver, great even. Jared Pinckney, one of the best tight ends in the country. Mo Hassan, who's kind of a dual-threat guy who can also throw the ball. He started the Missouri game, got hurt. Riley Neal came in. Um, gave them a spark. And their defense is what's impressed me. You know, their defense gave up 100 combined points to LSU. And are you ready for it? UNLV. You know, that UNLV loss for them, 34-10 to 10 at home, was one of the worst losses the SEC has ever suffered out of conference in the modern era. I mean, for real. You know, Louisiana Monroe beat Alabama in Saban's first year in Tuscaloosa. You know, we've seen Jacksonville State beat Ole Miss over the years. We, we've seen, you know, North Texas took Chad Morris's boys to the woodshed 44-17. You know, there's just – there's a lot of – I don't know, a lot of things you can kind of point to uh, that have been bad. But, you know, UNLV, and I know a little bit about that program, and they should be better. They're going to get to play in the Raiders' new stadium out there and – you know, there's a lot of support for that school and that town. Um, and you shouldn't have a hard time attracting football players to come play in Las Vegas for four years. But they are historically bad to awful. You know, so it's not like you're playing BYU. I know BYU is an independent, not in the Mountain West anymore. Or Boise State, you know, Colorado State jumps up and bites somebody. Heck, even Wyoming who beat Missouri this year, you know, they run the option. They're kind of difficult. UNLV not only beat Vanderbilt, they slaughtered the 34 to 10 on their home field. Man. You know, but they got up off the mat and then beat Missouri next week. So Missouri's got to be feeling terrible. Missouri, heck, they better be glad they don't play in the Mountain West. They maybe lost to UNLV too. But, you know, this is a team that, that you know has had its share of struggles. They they I think until the Missouri game, they were clearly the worst team in the SEC. I think you know I'd like to see what happens with with Arkansas and Vandy. Uh, Vandy beat Arkansas by two touchdowns last year, by the way. So you know maybe it's a maybe it's a toss up between those two. But you know this is a team. You know there, there's no excuse to lose it for losing two. That being said. Talked to some sources this week, looking at them on film. Yeah, they're better than people think. They get after you on defense. They try to confuse you. Derek Mason, defensive coach, that unit has not been that good this year, but they were good against Missouri. And what I was told was they flat out beat Missouri. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah, they beat them. And I think with all the talk about Mason being on the hot seat after the UNLV game, he kind of rallied the troops, you know, Guys, sometimes guys don't necessarily win, but their players love them, and their players respond sometimes uh, for their leader. I think that happens with South Carolina, too. I think to a certain extent you saw that against Kentucky and Georgia earlier this year, and I think, you know, again, one step forward, two steps back for this program under Will Muschamp. It's just happened that way. You know, before the the, the kind of – I don't want to say the collapse, but before the end of last year – Starting with that Florida game, it was a situation where it was more like, well, South Carolina's had some inexplicably bad, you know, uh, one or two inexplicably bad performances. They've come against Kentucky. (laughs) And other than that, you know, the Gamecocks have have won the games they were supposed to. They've lost some close ones like the Texas A&M. 
been competitive. It was what I would call stable. And, and I think when you're building, you need stability to build upon. It's much easier to build when you're stable than when you're erratic. You know, because when you're erratic and you lose games you should not to teams you should not lose to, you have to make that up on the other side. And, you know, you look at the, the better team South Carolina plays every year. I mean, it's Georgia and Clemson, and this year is Bama. And that's tough. You know, you have to find a way to to make it up somehow. Um, and that's what Will Muschamp has to do with this team this year. Uh, and his players have to do it, and his assistant coaches have to do it. I don't want to hang it all on him, you know. But Vandy comes in, and, you know, I, I, I think they're going to play hard. I hope South Carolina shakes off the cobwebs. Tony Morrell talked about that a little bit in his Five Keys to Victory article. Be sure to read that on thebigspur.com. But you have to come out and play hard. It's a night game. Probably won't be a huge crowd in terms of, you know, what it is most of the time. But I think night games get a lot of people out and get them fired up. It'll be loud, loud enough. You know, Carolina will have an advantage there. You know, Ryan Holinsky right now, I, I he's not ready to be a starter in the SEC. I'm sorry to tell you folks. Um, that's nothing against him. But, you know, he's a guy that you know, probably could use some better play calling, probably could use some better protection, that type of thing. But, you know, and I'm not saying that Jake Bentley would have won those games that South Carolina lost. Uh, but I do think that, you know, there's certain things about the way he's playing right now to where you kind of go, well, he's probably a year away from really picking it up. And it's not his fault. You know, there's a reason he was the backup heading into the season. I know everybody wants to make him out to be Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tagovailoa, but there's not a lot of guys like that. You know, look at Bo Nix at Auburn. He's up and down this year. That's life with a true freshman quarterback. You know, that's not an excuse for losing by 20 at Missouri when your offensive play calling cost you 14 points. Um, that's not an excuse for losing at Tennessee like they did, where your special teams break down and all of a sudden you can't protect and all of a sudden you, you know, your offense just you know, has one great half and then goes in the tank the second half. That's adjustments. You know, that's, not, that's not an excuse. You know, Ryan Helensky being your quarterback is not an excuse because you, know, you beat the number three team in the country with Ryan only playing a half and then Joyner came off the bench and was injured <laughs> and you still won. You know, I'm not buying it. That's not a reason. You know, Jake Bentley may may have beaten Missouri and Tennessee. He he was six and zero combined against those two teams heading into this year. He may have very well won those games. You know, but maybe he wouldn't have. I mean, you got to go win. You're in year four too. Uh, You have to kind of prepare. Hey, what if something happens to the quarterback? And I'd say the same thing if if it were Georgia and Fromm got hurt. There'd be no excuse for Kirby Smart not to have a backup, you know, down there. He's in year four as well. So you got to have that. And um, But I, I do think, though, that when you're taking that situation out of it, the fact that he was kind of thrust in there, I, I think the, the, the reality is he's just – he's not ready. He's going to be up and down, probably going to be up and down for the rest of the season. So he needs a run game. He needs protection. Needs a defense, needs no special teams breakdowns, which is baffling last week that that happened. But uh, I do think that um, 
you know, when you kind of consider it, you know, that's the reality of the situation at quarterback. Would not surprise me if DeCarrie and Joyner, you know, got some snaps this weekend with him 100% healthy just to kind of throw in a change of pace and, and that type of thing and take some of the pressure off Ryan. I mean, you, that's another thing that gets back to offensive game. You've got to take the pressure off your freshman quarterback. I mean, you can't, you know, hey, great, you dialed up a beautiful RPO first game play of the game to Shai Smith, 75-yard touchdown, whoopee, that's great. But obviously this offense has done a lot of good things in the first half of football games for a year now. Some games not. Virginia obviously was one of them. But obviously this offense, when, when you go out before the other team adjusts or whatever, yeah, they do some, some good things. And then it's – and that's weird. That's, that's a little weird because, you know, last year the, you know, the Gamecocks at times played pretty well in the second half, especially the first part of the season. I mean, think back to the A&M game last year. You know, Gamecocks got on track second half. I mean, so I, I don't know where the inconsistency is coming from. I don't know if they, they just don't, you know, they haven't really thought it through in terms of how to call a game for Ryan. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is there. But I know this. I, I know that, you know, you can't go out in the first half against Vandy Saturday night, and if you're in a 7 nothing or 7-3 to football game at halftime, you better get some offense in the second half because you let Vandy stay in it, they're going to get fired up and their guys are going to call plays and zip down the field on you. They're going to have that one drive and you're going to lose an embarrassing game. So uh, I would hope that, you know, there's some things going on. Now, now maybe, you know, Carolina gets up 28 nothing and a half on Saturday and 28-7, something like that, and then they hold on for dear life or they just end up blowing them out, and that's fine. But uh, that's going to be what's going to be interesting about this matchup. I, I do think the 15-point spread is a little high. I do think, though, considering this team has been unpredictable all year, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Gamecocks, you know, win going away Saturday night and, and to be fired up about that. Big picture-wise, you know, you look at it, 3-5, and five, get this win. Get the win over App State. And I know everybody's like down in App State right now because they lost to Georgia Southern by a field goal last night. Keep in mind, folks, Georgia Southern's a triple option team. They're kind of built to pull surprises like that. Um, you know, South Carolina doesn't have that kind of game plan <laughs> uh, against App State. They're not going to be as tough of a matchup. So I, I you know, I word around the campfires, they think that App State game is going to be very hard. So. You know, nevertheless, you go and you beat them. And unfortunately, because they lost, they're not going to be ranked now. And, you know, Will Muschamp certainly could use a win over a ranked opponent. Uh, but you beat Vanny, you beat App. And then you just, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Texas A&M is not a bunch of world beaters this year. I think it's kind of difficult now that that game's been announced as, as a night game, 6.30 p.m. Central kickoff, 7.30 Eastern on the SEC Network. And then you got Clemson, and you just you know play your best. It's a rivalry game. You get to six and six, and somehow, and you get to Birmingham or Shreveport. You know that'll be good. I I think it would be a shame for the seniors on this football team, many of whom came in with Muschamp first class, 
have played a lot of football and a lot of football well at high level. I'm talking about guys like DJ Wanham and TJ Brunson, Brian Edwards, um, Donnell Stanley, who's played a lot of football, who was here before they got here. Um, Kyle Markway, who's got him another year, actually. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that, that have, you know, deserved to go out better than not having a bowl game. And so I think that's what you got to get to. You know, I think anything less than that and all bets are off, depending on kind of if it's five and seven, how the five and seven looks. In other words, what happens in that Clemson game? Is it a blowout? Do you, are you able to be competitive? You know, do you beat Vandy and App State and then A&M boat races you and Clemson boat races you? You know, kind of how does it look? I tend to be of the opinion South Carolina can't have a losing season in year four. The Because to me, that's the bottom falling out. Look at this program. Look at it since 2000. And I'm not hearing that it's the toughest schedule in the country because it's not. That's the bottom line. It was ranked that way in the beginning of the season. And whoop-de-doo, yeah, we know. But, you know, it was tough because you got Georgia, you got Clemson, you got Bama. People are focusing on those three teams. You can throw Florida in there now. Florida is absolutely legit. That's tough. Having to go to Tennessee after Georgia and Florida in the preseason was supposed to be tough. But, you know, that's a Tennessee team that obviously was not very good heading into the game. Uh, you know, obviously going to Missouri after Bama's tough, but look at that. That game was a dumpster fire from a coaching standpoint on offense. I mean, your guy can't throw it. He hadn't practiced. Why are you going to throw it? And people, well, they're RPOs. Well, maybe you should take the P out of the RPOs <laughs> because it's not working. I mean, you can have a great play call and a great design and have guys open and we throw, you know, he's one hopping it or sailing. I mean, just the guy didn't have it. And then, you know, the most inexcusable play of the year and where I think things turned was the pick six at Missouri. You're about to go in and score. It's a 10 point game. You've already scored once in the second half. You know, if you get a field goal, your defense has been stopping them well enough to where. You know, you could probably expect to get a couple more stops and help. Kelly Bryant may throw it right to you. You just never know. And you call an RPO down there, I guess. That's what you call. And your freshman quarterback, again, who hadn't practiced, who's been off all day, throws a 100-yard pick six and essentially ends the football game. That's bad. That's ridiculous. You know, I, I just, yeah, I just don't know. They're just not throwing the football well and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, that's the thing is how does that five and seven end up looking? I think four and eight, you've you probably got a good, a good, you know, argument for a coaching change. And what bothers me about this, and I said it on the podcast earlier this week, is that I felt strongly – like for the through the first, and I, I totaled up twenty seven games against Power Five competition under Will Muschamp. He was fourteen and thirteen. It didn't look a thing like Florida. Uh, I think there were certain times where the offense struggled. Kurt Roper, I thought, was you know in twenty seventeen had a bad year calling plays, and it cost him his job. You know, you look back to last year, there wasn't a, 
any of the four Florida teams Will Muschamp had that could have won a 48-44 shootout or put 600 yards on Clemson. That just wouldn't have happened. So I thought it, it did look, you know, and, and at the end of last year, you didn't really realize it. But, you know, it, it, up until the point that they blew the lead at in Gainesville, I don't think it looked a thing like Florida. I, I thought it was a rebuild. There were lots of injuries that third year, which happened. They kept it above float. They kept it above water. They won games by any means necessary. Yeah, there were some games like at Kentucky that didn't make much sense. But by and large, they were they were making progress. And now you look at the last ten, and it looks like it, it, it looks like a, a microcosm of Will Muschamp's career at Florida. And, and like people are like, well, he hasn't learned anything. And I know he said he hasn't changed, but you know, you look at kind of what they their scheme on offense, whether or not it works is a different story. But what they try to do, um, I kind of think that at this point, seeing as how the defense has regressed for a couple of years. Maybe they need to look into doing something a little different defensively. You have to ask yourself at times with this defense that's worked when there's been loads of gobs of talent. I mean, it works at Bama. It works at Georgia. Lots of talent, you know. Worked at Florida. He had lots of talent. Worked at LSU. Lots of talent. Auburn always has talent on defense. You don't have trouble recruiting. You got to maybe ask yourself is, you know, can you recruit – at South Carolina with as much as you put on your safeties and, and as much as you need a variety of defensive linemen. I think the defensive linemen, body type-wise, they, they found enough guys. But, you know, the secondary is complex, you know, what they do back there. And, you know, maybe maybe they need to look into a different scheme on both sides of the ball. Something simpler, you know, that makes more sense. I don't know. But – you know, you look at him, you know, he has evolved. But they're just the same things keep happening, and it's hard to explain. It's one step forward, two steps back. Look at his last year at Florida. Look at Muschamp's last season at Florida. They, they're struggling. You know, they have a heartbreaking loss to LSU where they competed really hard. You know, they're winning some games, and Missouri comes to town. And I think they outgained Missouri by 100 yards and lost 42 to 13. Massive special teams breakdowns. Offense couldn't go anywhere. Turnovers. It was baffling. So they battened down the hatches and they go and they beat Georgia. They threw only six passes, beat them 38 20. That, that year, Georgia 2014, Georgia could not stop the run at all. Brandon Wilds made the Georgia defense look bad in the second half of the Gamecocks win over Georgia that year. So. You win that one, you go to Vandy and get a win, you know, you're everybody's feeling great. And then that Carolina team that really needed to outscore people to win comes in there, plays their best defensive game of the year, blocks two kicks and beats you in overtime, then you get fired. One step forward, two steps back. You know, and and it you look at the seasons at Florida, you know. First year, bad locker room. You know, got to six and six, got to a bowl, beat Ohio State that had just hired Urban Meyer in the Gator Bowl. Great win, big step forward. Next year, you know, eleven and one. Couldn't beat Georgia, but you're eleven and one. Uh Charlie Strong beats you in the in the Sugar Bowl. So there's a there's a tiny step back. Then you start four and oh or four and one, and then you lose seven straight. Big step back. Then at the end, it was like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step forward, two steps back. And, 
you know, South Carolina, it's it's not been that way. It's been kind of a linear, gradual climb. Uh, I know the record in 2017 was better, and, you know, South Carolina did have a year last year where they were going to take a dip on defense, but, you know, th- that's why I think that the year four, you know, theory is valid, but it's just not valid in this situation. You know, the dip on defense should have come last year. You know, because there wasn't a lot. There were players that they left, that you know, Spurrier left, that are pretty doggone good. A handful of them. But, you know, Debo Samuel is one guy. Very special player. Don't get me wrong, but they should have been able to compensate for his loss. And I, and I think, quite frankly, they have, because I don't think it's Brian Edwards and Shai Smith's fault that, you know, their offense is up and down. You know, it's it's a linear build, and you hired a guy that was not a popular hire because of the thing at Florida, and you knew that was going to hang around his neck. You know, the reason you hire Will Muschamp at South Carolina is because he's a he's a tough enough guy and a smart enough guy and a hard enough worker to where he's going to try he's going to get your roster in good shape. You know. Because with the way it was, with a hand, and there's still some issues on the roster. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think anyone was expecting SEC East title this year. Although you beat Florida and don't crap the bed against Tennessee, and I'm not saying they crap the bed against Florida because again, when the referees make those kind of calls on scoring plays, that changes the or miss miss those kind of calls on scoring plays. It changes the trajectory of the game, but. Win those two, and South Carolina's in great shape to win the East. <sighs> you know, with this team this year, with the loss to North Carolina, with the loss at Missouri, but one step forward, beat Georgia two steps back. And that's the concern. And so. You know, when I talk about five and seven, yeah, beat Vandy, beat App State. Everybody's feeling good. You got to take your shot. Well, what? It, you know, that'd be a, that'd be a step forward to get to five and five. But then you, if A and M and Clemson boat race you, that's another big step back. And so that's that's kind of where we're at with all of this, in my opinion. And I I wanted to clarify because you know I was very pointed in my remarks right after the game. Because I was shocked, I was kind of, I was shell. I didn't, I couldn't even believe what I saw. Had a great day, you know. Went out with the, with the little lady, to the cheesecake factory, <laughs> which is an odd spot to watch college football, but it was delicious as always. Um, and then went up to this place that we like to hang out and watch the game. They got the game on for me. Um, I ate some chicken wings. Felt like at halftime, I was like, well, this is a pretty good first half. You know, the Vols are showing some spunk. And I was like, huh, I kind of thought this would be low scoring. <laughs> well, the second half, there was a shutout by one of the teams. So, you know, and look, Jeremy Pruitt's in year two. You know, they have a build they have to go through at Tennessee, just like they do at South Carolina. But, but that's the difference. And, and, you know, we're in year four. And so, I mean, like, like I was saying, you hire Will Muschamp to get your roster right, and then, you know, at some point you got to start winning games, and you, you can't just keep having the same types of results that, you've, that, you know, this fan base has seen for, you know, eight seasons now because everybody kept up with Florida, of course. 
and I'm not saying he's a bad coach or a bad person. I I I kind of think he's an NFL guy. You know, NF, in the NFL, you can take a loss or two or three or four, and then you know eventually figure it out and win games. I mean, that's just that's how it is. People laugh, but it's a different animal uh, in the NFL. People, you know, and obviously. He would need great coordinators, especially on offense. And, and I, I think that if things, you know, don't work out at South Carolina, I, I think I think Will Muschamp's path, will, he'll, he'll wind through the NFL, probably become a good coordinator, maybe be up for a head coaching job. I mean, like Jim Caldwell did it. He's one of the few. But I think that style of ball, um, and it's not as easy as it used to be because, you know, you don't just have a bunch of teams line up in the I formation <laughs> anymore. you got a bunch of RPOs, the Sean McVeighs of the world and all that. It's a it's a tougher brand to defend than it used to be, but I, I think I mean, it's just different. NFL's just different. Um, I think that may be his path, although he's a great recruiter and a guy that, you know, I don't think the parts of the college game that – you know, most NFL guys complain about and don't like. I mean, those parts of the game, I, I think he's fine. I think he's done a good job. But you got to win. And you got to show that progress on the field at some point. You know, I think if this were happening in year two or year one, especially, nobody would have batted an eye. I think everybody expected him to go four and eight in year one. But. You know, and everybody's like, well, you know, what about the fact he overachieved his first two years? And, you know, now maybe, maybe you, you know, take that into account. Well, no, because <laughs> you still lost a game to Kentucky that year. You shouldn't have at home. I mean, Kentucky was better than South Carolina last year, but that game in 2017 was bad. And you, you, have, to, you have to look at the, the overall trajectory of the program. You know, and, and I think this is a good recruiting class, but how many are you going to realistically hold on to if you go five and seven or four and eight? You know, you probably lose a few, a couple. You know, if you move on to twenty twenty one and that cycle, which is going to be bad anyway because of the, you know, there are not a lot of players in the state. You know, you're recruiting off of a losing record in your fourth year after you've had winning records, and you're, you're you're recruiting against Tennessee, who beat you by 20, and North Carolina, who beat you, who's in the second year of their staff. And, of course, you're always recruiting against Clemson and Georgia, and, and now you've lost uh, three out of four to Florida, four out of five, and the Gators are in the top ten. You know, even Florida State's kind of getting better, although I don't know that I would – I think I would just admit that Willie Taggart was a mistake if I were them and move on. So, you know, you're almost looking at a situation where the the program's kind of suffocating a little bit on the recruiting trail. I mean, because you're you're surrounded by programs that have a better story to tell. Now, look, I, I think I still think when you talk about ice to Eskimos and things like that, the Gamecocks coaching staff can do it and you can overcome but it makes it that much more it makes a difficult situation much more difficult you've got a lot more headwinds if you have a losing season this year and if you if you go if you go five and seven and lose by a point to a&m and a point to clemson i think that's different than getting boat raced or you know doing the thing where you get you, know, you give everybody hope at halftime and then the second half you you crap out. So I don't know. 
I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I do know Saturday I'm predicting the Gamecocks to get up off the mat and because everybody's kind of like, man, this could be a closer game than people think. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be a game where the Gamecocks play relatively well in all three phases and, and win the game going away. Um, I'm going to say South Carolina 30, Vanderbilt 16. Um, I do think South Carolina could beat App State the next week, and you know then we'll see what happens. Uh, a loss Saturday obviously changes things. A loss next Saturday changes things. These two teams – I think they're both black and gold teams, too. App State black and gold, or they got a little – man, I think it's black and gold. These two black and gold teams <laughs> are going to uh, determine a lot, you know, whether or not they go into the last two of the season with a shot at really salvaging something or, um, you know, everybody's kind of talking about decisions to be made on the administrative level. And uh, I think the best thing – after I've said all that, kind of breaking down the Muschamp era, the best thing would be to turn it around. Heck, go win all four of them. I mean, I think you would need Clemson to play one of their games where their head's not in it, which has happened at times. Uh, I, I think South Carolina plays really, really well. They can beat a them. Um, I think they should beat Vandy and App State. So, heck, you went all four, all of a sudden. <laughs> it's that kind of crazy, crazy year, in my opinion. So, I would certainly rather be talking about, you know, the Gamecocks having momentum again as a program, beating their rivals, both of them, both major rivals this year, snapping streaks against A&M and Kentucky, and getting to a bowl better than the Belt Bowl. Maybe Music City Bowl this year. Gamecocks didn't play at Vandy this year, and that's one they've never played in. Uh, if they got to 7-7, seven, seven, probably the Gator Bowl, though, I would think. But, I mean, that, that's – at this point, this team hasn't shown the consistency and performance to even think that's a possibility. In fact, 6-6 six and six is going to be really tough. But things change. You know, things change in college football. It's so, sometimes things go up and down, and then they click, and then away we go. And I thought Kentucky and Georgia, they had sort of found something, you know, and it looked like they may have, you know, up until the fourth quarter against Florida, it looks like man, they may have. But then again, you know, for the second straight season, and we don't have a large sample size, but you can go into a tailspin after blowing a game against the Gators. So hopefully the tailspin stops Saturday night. All right, be sure if you're in the Atlanta area and you can't make it to Columbia, go to Dive Bar in Buckhead for the official Atlanta Gamecocks watch parties. Uh, the My Carolina USC Alumni Association is involved with that, as is the bigspur.com. Uh, this podcast, myself personally, Zach, is a Gamecock through and through and owns Dive Bar and Buckhead. It's a big, fun time for everybody. Also, if you're looking for some catering, nanasporchclt.com. Uh, if you're in the Charlotte area, they got tailgating packages. They'll come to you. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to Flowers Furniture in Darlington, South Carolina, another one of my sponsors. TheBigSpur.com is uh, your home for Gamecock Sports. Myself, Tony Morrell, who's on the podcast. John Whittle, who you'll hear on the podcast. Hale McGranahan, uh, John Del Bianco, Kerry Rich, Ryan Bethay, all of those guys. Uh, really good staff we have at thebigspur.com. So check it out. And now if you're a VIP member of TBS or if you want to be and you want to join, you get a free membership 
to CBS All Access. This is the CBS streaming service. You got things like the Twilight Zone, the NFL on CBS, CBS News, the NCAA basketball broadcast. I mean, it's a it's a and it's the commercial free version. So it's like a hundred dollar value a year, ninety nine bucks a year. And you get it free if you're a member of the Big Spurs. So come chat about the Gamecocks, read all about the Gamecocks, get the inside scoop on the Gamecocks. And also, you can get a streaming service. I know some of you fellas out there, your wives get on you. Why do you pay for that website? Why do you pay for it? I've, I've, that, that's the most frequent criticism I hear about why, why guys don't join. Well, now you can say, honey, I'm sure she likes a show on CBS. There has to be one of her stories <laughs> on CBS or one of her shows or something. And you can say, honey, we can, you know, we can get CBS for free streaming and uh, I can enjoy the site. And so you kind of split the cost there. So that's uh, that's a good thing to tell the wife or this girlfriend or this, whoever, whoever is kind of like uh, in your ear about your personal budget. You can do that. And join TheBigSpur.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. This is a 24-7 Sports Podcast. And uh, if you like podcasts and like college football, uh, I encourage you to go check all those out. The, the other podcast I do, the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast with myself and Mike Morgan, is also part of the 24-7 Sports Podcasting Network. And you can, you know, with that distribution, you can get this on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, this one, and J.C. and Morgan. All right, once again, prediction, South Carolina 30, Vanderbilt 16, kickoff 7.30 p.m. Eastern, SEC Network, Gamecocks 15-point favorites over the Commodores, but you know a lot of people are saying beware. And so I'm, I'm not going to quite go with 15. I'm going to go 14. So if you take the 15 and you use my prediction, which you should never, ever do, by the way. Now, don't don't listen to my predictions. <laughs> then uh, you may win some money. Uh, you know, funny money, monopoly money, entertainment purposes only. All right, this has been J.C. Sherbert. This is the final word. Have a great weekend, all you Gamecocks, and we'll be back next week.